0: Hello everyone and welcome to MLS Assist, a podcast created to give insight into Major League Soccer's on-field action. My name is Joe Lowry and I'm recording from a bit of an echoey space today. Don't worry, it's a temporary thing. Alongside me today, as always, is the one, the only, the Jordan Angeli. Jordan, I think you're the Ohio State of soccer podcasting. I think that's sort yes. of what we've landed on yes. over the last okay. few weeks.
1: That's my new brand and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> sticking with it. Uh, I'm doing well. It's 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 fitting too, being in Columbus, that that is my branding. So, yeah, I'm doing well. It's, um, you know, we're coming to you on a holiday, which shows our commitment.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's bad that I completely forgot today was a holiday. Thank you, Jordan, for being here on a holiday with me. I'm think i hoping that this show will serve as a distraction for me and for listeners out there who may have sat through the U.S. men's national teams 1-1 draw with Canada in World Cup qualifying last night. Jordan, I know you saw bits and pieces of that game. Taylor Rockwell and I watched it in painstaking detail. This is not that, and this is going to be much more lighthearted and hopefully much more fun than that game was for the U.S. We each... We each watched a game this week that we're going to talk about. So I watched FC Dallas and RSL, RSL's 3-2 win in that game on Saturday. And Jordan, you watched the Vancouver Whitecaps take on Austin FC in that 2-1 win for Vancouver. We wanted to pick teams that maybe we hadn't talked about as much this season, Austin being really the outlier in that group. I do want to start with your game, Jordan. Let's get into it. Let's break it down and then we'll flip it over to my game once we're through with Vancouver's win. Vancouver have gone under a bit of a managerial change, as have RSL recently. What did you see from this team? How, I mean, are they doing anything different than they did under Mark Dos Santos? It feels a bit too early to make any grand sweeping conclusions about them, but a good result nonetheless.
1: Yeah, a good result. And I think for, you know, to be quite honest, I, I hadn't watched much of Vancouver this season to this point. You know, a few games here and there, but to say that there's any giant differences is a little unfair from my standpoint. But I am going to tell you what I saw and what I liked from Vancouver. And one of the reasons that I think they're on this um, four-game win streak in MLS, which they haven't done that in a, a number of years, so that's a big feat for them. They, they start in a what looks like a four three two one, so it's you know a lot of people call that like a Christmas tree formation, right, where it gets smaller as it goes up the field. But what I really liked about Vancouver and how they played out of that was they and really as the game progressed and they grasped more possession as the second half unfolded, but it really looks like a three four two one when they're they're building out, and one of those three. Central midfielders in that second line drops into the the back line in between Godoy and Youngworth, and then they can push their outside backs higher. And so, if you look at it at it as a three four two one, they actually have their two holding midfielders lower on the field than even their outside backs. So it's almost it could be argued to Joe that it looks like a three two four one hmm. because they get those outside backs really high. And I think that's one of the keys that they, they like to do. And they can, when they get and get possession, they look really dangerous because it allows them to utilize really key spaces on the field going forward.
0: One thing that we talked about before under Mark Dos Santos, obviously this is a different era now, is that at times this team did look good and they Mm -hmm. looked capable of playing with the ball and using it to occasionally create some chances. I think a big part of that oftentimes for them is Michael Baldissimo, who played as the six in this game. I'm guessing, I didn't watch this one, but I'm sure it's him dropping between the center backs quite a bit. I love him in midfield, and I love it when he drops deeper. I think he is hugely talented, and I hope whoever takes this job on a permanent basis, I hope that he continues to get looks because he can pull some strings in a way that really few other sixes in in MLS can, Jordan.
1: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's what he tended to do quite often, and it was either him or uh, Godoy playing this. One of the patterns that I really noticed that Vancouver – Tried to execute, and mind you, I thought Austin did a really good job in in the first half. And there was a couple of tweaks that um, Vancouver did to get more pressure on Alex Ring and uh, Diego Fagundes, those two holding midfielders for Austin in their four two three one, that I think made it more difficult for them to build out of the back in the second half. But that left Baldissimo and Godoy to be these players that played this diagonal ball. Does that sound familiar? I know you were just talking <laughs> about you, the U.S. men's national team. But to play this diagonal ball into, in the second half, it was Dahomey who, um, played the first half as one of those two players underneath the front runner. And in the second half, he played outside back, which on the left side, which looked like a wing back. And he was receiving a lot of these long diagonals. And when he did that, it stretched Austin to the point where they could really play in between the lines. So one of the things that I really do like is the two players under Brandon White. And White is a player that played for New York, right? For a number of years. He comes into Vancouver and he's not, he's not a very mobile center forward. And he doesn't have to be because underneath him is Gald and Dahomey in the first half and Gald and, uh, Caicedo in the second half. And really, Caicedo and Gald play in those spaces so well um, underneath White that he doesn't have to do much. And those two players in that 4-3-2-1 are crucial for the way Vancouver play. Because with those two lower-holding midfield players, att- attacking-wise, it's... To, um Caicedo and Gauld, who can really come in between the lines, either in front of the the midfield line for the opposing team, this, this time Austin, or in between the midfield and the defensive line and pick out those spaces. They were in the second half doing a number in between Fagundes and Ring, and those two couldn't figure out how to mark the space and to limit the touches that those two that um Gald and Caicedo had. And that was really such a building block to the way that Vancouver
0: wanted to play. We talked about Caicedo before this season started in our preseason transfer show. And we also talked or mm-hmm. one of those early shows we did because we did two of them. And we talked about Ryan Gald recently as well. I love both of those players. I think Gaul is is at a higher level than Caicedo. Caicedo is a little bit yeah. of a wild card sometimes. But Gall, every minute I've watched him in MLS so far, and in the film I watched of him when he was in Portugal, he looks like an excellent player. And I think he's a player, as Vancouver are, making a push for the playoffs. I believe they're just outside of the top seven right now, but they're very, very close. As Vancouver make that push, Ryan Gould is a player that they're going to be relying on. He's got two goals and two assists in six games so far. And he's not started every game in MLS. So he's he's producing for them right now. No goals, no assists in this particular game. But I, I think he could be a game changer in Major League Soccer at this point, And that's exactly what Vancouver had needed for quite some time now.
1: Yep. And just you mentioned he didn't get into goal or an assist in this game, but he was crucial in the second goal that Vancouver scored to win the game because it was that long, that pattern of play where they find Dahomey on the left side. And a lot of this, Joe, you would love because it was Godoy scoring the first goal for... Vancouver in a long dribble as a center back and staying up as they switched the point of attack and found him then on a cross and a header. So one point for the center back oh, yeah. there. <laughs> and then on the, the second goal, it was that the, the way that they were building up and the amount of possession that Vancouver had in the second half against, um, Austin, who had switched to, uh, actually a three, four, two, one, almost nearly the same position or formation playing out of that Vancouver was playing out of when they when they switched to this then Youngworth and Godoy were able to dribble forward a little bit more and engage players especially Jimenez for Austin on the the left the right side and so it was Youngworth dribbling on the left side getting the ball into the home it goes out for a throw in and then off of a throw in it's a quick transition and because of the way that they were defending in a 3-4-2-1 if you can engage the wing back in that situation, which Jimenez engaged with Tahome, it ends up going out for a throw in, then where's the space, Joe? It's, it's right behind Jimenez, right? And it pulls one of those center backs out. At this point, it was Romagna and White makes a good run into the corner. And as after White beats Romagna, then it's a 3v2 in, in this sh- good space getting into the attack and it's, Gald, following the play, he gets the shot on goal that then allows Caicedo to tap it in. So Gald doesn't get an assist on that because he takes the shot, but he is influential in his movement off the ball on the, the throwing into getting the shot off of that white cross. So um I really like his movement. I like what he does for Vancouver, and I think that this setup allows him the freedom to not only play centrally, but also to flirt, float wide and to get at players 1v1, which he likes to do, and connect in the channels.
0: Jordan, anything else on Vancouver, anything on Austin that you noted in this game? This was open at times. Both teams created chances. I think every game that Austin plays is open in large part. They just <laughs> totally. came off of that 5-3 loss to Dallas very recently as well. Mm-hmm. Any other any other things you wanted to mention from this game?
1: I think it is important to mention that Austin is very stubborn about playing out of the back, um, and that is why they lost to Dallas in a large part in that game that you just mentioned. And they didn't change that. And I think one of the reasons is as the game progressed, you can see that they're not very good at winning the first and second balls off of a long goal kick. So what Austin did in the 25th minute, I noted they had a really good buildup out of the back. And when they could get this Vancouver side in their 4-3-3 press – to squeeze to one side and they can find either Ring or Fagundes as one of the two. If they can overload the central space and find one of those two to switch to the point of attack. They do a really good job of stretching out Vancouver. And the ball gets to Lima. And when Lima gets the ball on the left side, this is a pattern that I saw Jerusi, who is one of their their new DPs, he, play where he started centrally and he ran, runs into the channel. And not only does that little movement from him open up a pass into um, the front runner and – oh my gosh, why can't I – not Fagundes, but um,
0: – Dominguez? What's the
1: Dominguez. Yeah. Not only does it give Lima a pass straight into Dominguez, but then it allows Derussi as the play switches then the point to the right side, Darussi just chills on the left and he just floats in this space – and it ends up being him who has a really good um, chance running into the channel from what is a, a a little pass from Dominguez. And I like his ability as that attacking player to float wide and it, a lot of similarities to what we I was just talking about with Gold. But I think he is going to be a key player for them and and someone who can come in and make a difference. So um, when they do play out of the back and they're successful, it is from. Just quick switches of the point and um, allowing Jerusi and uh, Dominguez to to get on the ball.
0: I'm so interested to see what happens with Austin over yeah. the next off season because their their season's over in all practical terms, right? They're they're second from the bottom of the table in the West. They're only on 19 points at the moment. They're not going to make the playoffs. Their season is done. But we can still learn things about this team yeah. and how they want to play. We can still see them continue to evolve from a tactical standpoint. So that's going to be interesting. And then in the offseason as well, how do they retool? Where are they looking to spend? How much are they going to spend? There's a lot of big questions here because I like a lot of what Josh Wolf has done as a manager in terms of how they play. It's very fun to watch. Like tuning into an Austin game is exciting because of how they play. And also because they ship goals at times and they ship chances for the other team. So it's going to be fascinating, from my perspective at least, to see how this team evolves and, and what they do and how they play and what their roster ends up looking like a few months from now. At the start of next season, at the beginning of 2022, at the end of 2022, it's early and a lot of the building blocks I think are there, but they're still missing a lot of pieces, which is, is mm-hmm. clear pretty much every time you mm-hmm. watch
1: them. Yeah, absolutely. And they just seem to tire down because defensively I do think that if they can get into a good block, they're hard to break down. But it seems like the end of the games are really a struggle for Austin and Vancouver just wore them down not only in this game but the last time these two teams met too. It was kind of a carbon copy of that same same game. So, um yeah, that's my thoughts. I I, I enjoyed watching Vancouver play um as I admitted, I hadn't watched them play very much and I think they have they have some good pieces as well.
0: And and okay, this is my last thought on this one. Okay. There's no reason that Vancouver shouldn't be a real player in MLS. Right? right? The city, the market, like there's so many things in their favor. They're just missing and they're starting to get the spending, but they're missing the on-field product right now. And that is starting to change. It's too early, like we mentioned before, to make any grand sweeping conclusions about this team. Even if they sneak into the playoffs, I think next year will be the real test for them or or will be closer to a real test. But I think MLS is going to be better off with a competitive Vancouver Whitecaps, and we haven't seen that in quite some time. And I'm yeah, hopeful that that will change soon. Yeah. So that's my that's yeah. my spiel on Vancouver, Jordan.
1: And that's my spiel on this game. So let's <laughs> let's go over to you. You got to watch uh, RSL beat Dallas at home, which is a good win for RSL, a team that um, I think similar, right? Has so many key players and key moments, and it seems like. Some of the times it looks really good and some of the times it's, you, it's hard to pick out what's going wrong and why it's going wrong for them. So what would you see in this one?
0: Okay. First of all, poor Texas, man. Poor Texas. They're in the bottom (laughs) three spots in the Western Conference table. Houston, Austin, and Dallas in that order are at the bottom of the table. And I feel for those guys, right? Everything's better in Texas. Everything's bigger. Well, not necessarily this year at least. But this game was fun, man. This game was really, really fun. The best moment didn't come from RSL in this win, although well played to them. The best moment was Jesus Ferreira's goal. Jordan, I don't know if you yeah, saw this bouncing around on I Twitter, did. but it is phenomenal. Dallas are down 3-1 in the latter stages of this game. Jesus Ferreira comes in and wins the ball on the right side from Marcelo Silva, dribbles into the box, cuts past Pablo Ruiz, gets away from Justin Glad and scores at the near post with just absolutely roofing the ball into the top of the net. The bottom part, it is phenomenal. The fact that we had this goal this week and that Brian Rodriguez goal for LAFC last week, it just back to back is wonderful. Mm -hmm. And in this show, (laughs) being a distraction for me from the U.S. men's national team, this is what did it, right? Moments like this, so much fun. There wasn't a ton of tactical intricacy here. It was just Jesus Ferreira being an absolute baller and He was good. Generally speaking, he was good in this game. Even setting that goal aside, he plays an important pass that helps lead to Dallas's first goal earlier on in this match in the first half. He was everywhere, dropping in, helping to link play, getting on the ball, turning, facing forward, driving forward. Jesus Ferreira was good. And part of that is I don't think RSL's block is necessarily the most solid thing ever, but he's got high upside just like he always has. I'm excited to see how he continues to grow.
1: Well, just you saying those words, I feel like we talked about those exact things last year, how if he was going to be this player, those are all the things that when he's on, he can do all those things very well, connect the play, drive at players, score, Um but... It's. I mean, he's still young. The inconsistency, I think, is the issue there. But it felt like that was just a deja vu of what we talked about him <laughs> last year.
0: And the fact that he's found a consistent role and the fact that Luigi Gonzalez has given him a consistent role as a number 10, as a second forward, it's it's semantics, really. But playing off of a striker, usually it's Pepe, but he's off with the national team. So it was Franco O'Hara in this game. And he's not playing out wide. He's not necessarily playing as a number nine. You give him a chance to grow into a particular role. And I think Dallas is seeing some of the benefits of that. We're not, we're not going to talk as much about Dallas from this one because they did lose. And I want to give RSL their props. They're also, uh, under the caretaker of an interim manager. Not a word. Couldn't think of the real word. We're going to move past I liked it. That's it. Freddie Juarez left RSL just over a week ago to become an assistant on Brian Schmetzer's staff in a truly bizarre move, right? I don't think that's ever happened before. RSL are in the thick of the playoff hunt and their coach leaves midseason to go become an assistant on another Western Conference team. I get the reasons for it. Juarez, I think, was one of the probably the lowest-paid manager in Major League Soccer, if not, you know, very, very close to that. Uh, RSL are in a bit of a weird spot as an organization. I still don't think they have an owner, so there's a lot here, and it probably does make sense in certain ways to go and be an assistant under Brian Schmetzer because we've seen what that job can can do for you. But so bizarre. So they're under Pablo Mascaroni at the moment, and, and they just lost for one to Vancouver last week in their first game under him. Now they've got a win under their belts. But just Jordan, bizarre times in the RSL world, I think this win was big for them.
1: Yeah, absolutely huge. And um, maybe some of the grit of it just uh, ex- exemplifies Pablo Mascheroni and, Mascherone and <laughs> who he is because um, they – as you said, maybe not a lot of tactical. Is that true to say? Not a lot of yeah. tactical going on in this. But um just sometimes in Major League Soccer, you have to be willing to just do all of the dirty work and figure out a way to score. So w- what you see from RSL, did it feel any different than when they were under Juarez or – Were there some similarities?
0: I think there were more similarities than differences. I don't think Mascarone changed a whole lot here. RSL pressed at times out of a 4-4-2 shape defensively. That was their base setup, and then it shifted into a 4-2-3-1. That was flexible in possession. But Freddy Juarez used the same shape and allowed his players to be flexible too. You've got Rusnak playing wide and he'll come inside and he'll drop deep and it messes with the midfield shape and sometimes a good way, other times in a bad way. You have Jonathan Menendez on the right side who I really like, an attacking player that RSL snagged from Argentina. He's, he's clean on the ball. He can cut inside. He's got really skillful feet. I like him a lot and he was big in this game scoring RSL's second goal, but like nothing, nothing major has changed as far as I can tell from this team in this game though, to get specific and, and look at some of the micro reasons as to why they won. They exploited space and Dallas's block over and over and over again. Dallas played in this 4-4-2 shape as well. So they're both in the same defensive setup. But RSL poked in and found those spots in Dallas's shape much better than Dallas did to RSL's shape. It happens before the first goal, but the first goal is probably the best example of this. It's Aaron Herrera who's on the ball, the right back for RSL in that flexible 4-2-3-1. He's got the ball on the right side in the attacking half for RSL. Paxton Pomichael playing left mid for Dallas, and he steps towards Herrera, sort of, but doesn't really put him under any pressure. And that was a theme for Dallas in this game. No one pressuring RSL's attacking players. Everton, one of the sixes for RSL, drifts between the lines, and he is wide open. Frank O'Hara isn't stepping back. Jesus Ferrero's is busy trying to step closer towards the ball. Nothing happens from Dallas. They're not proactive. The sixes don't step forward. So Herrera plays it to Everton, who then dribbles forward, draws a foul from Franco O'Hara, who does decide eventually to track back. And then on the quick free kick, it's Riznak out wide to Herrera, who crosses into the box for Justin Glad, who heads it home. And that ties the game and kind of turns this game on its head in a way because Dallas had been starting fairly well. And so they were controlling the game at times early on in this first half. But this goal was emblematic of the problems that Dallas had and it showed that RSL is capable of taking advantage of those bits of open space when you give it to them on a silver platter.
1: Yeah and I think that that just the pattern that you were talking about in the space exploitation is very true for a 4 2 3 1 type of team that then is playing against the same formation, right? When when you're sitting in a four four two block, the space is either in front of that midfield to then pull them out or in between the midfield and the defensive line. And so if you can pull them out and then exploit the, that next area of space, there is going to be success. And in this point, the, the, what you were just talking about, it's on the dribble. It's through getting and gaining a foul, a set piece in a key area. And for RSL, they have players that can – not only deliver, but finish on set pieces. So, I think that that is something that we see all the time in when p- teams play in that four-four-two block. Those spaces are so crucial.
0: Yeah, RSL took advantage of space on that first goal. They did it again. On the third goal as well, the second one was was Menendez's goal, and that was a long sequence of possession, and Dallas never really got pressured to the ball. It was, it was a weird one. Noah Powder, the left back, ended up shooting from outside the box. Deflected, goalkeeper saves it, but doesn't actually collect it, and so then Menendez can crash at the back post. But the third goal, it comes after FC Dallas play long from a goal kick. Goal kick. They're looking for this little chipped ball forward into the front line. It doesn't work. RSL win it and find Rusnak wide open in zone 14. I think I have like seven eyes in my notes on wide open because <laughs> there was no one around Jordan. Russnak could just get the ball, look up, shoot, score to the, I think the bottom right corner. Cerillo and Cervanya, the two sixes for Dallas were nowhere to be found. They got pulled into the box. They weren't ready to step forward in pressure. And no one else was even close to that area, close to zone 14. Rusnak had all day. Uh, I would not have scored from there, but I could have at least gotten a shot off from there and it would not have been on target, odds are. But, you know, that's that's the level, that's the lack of pressure that Dallas had and credit to RSL for exploiting that because they do have the talent with Krylak, who was an MLS all-star, with Rusnak, who is very spotty, but has skill, clearly, with Menendez, with Pablo Ruiz pulling some strings in midfield. There are pieces here. And as the playoff race, you know, we're, we're getting closer and closer to playoff time. As the playoff race continues... If teams don't take RSL seriously, they have proven that they will and certainly have the ability to take advantage of the gaps that you give them.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I mean, that's make or break, right? That's what gets you into the playoffs or doesn't. Right now, and so um, it's it's crazy to think that we're already there.
0: We're so close, weirdly. I mean, we're so close and so far. MLS peps December twelfth. So we got. (laughs) I'm sure that's
1: what the what the (laughs) the players think too. (laughs) Yeah, we're so close, but also. So far far.
0: so 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 far my last note on this game is is shifting back to Dallas briefly to close we mentioned the US men's national team a few times still uh, on this episode and Pepe's already with them it would not surprise me if Jesus Ferreira and Paxton Pomacle get called up for the October window Jesus Ferreira brings a different look at the nine, and the U.S. kind of needs a different look at the nine right now. Not the, the strongest competition in this game and, and not the strongest competition relative to the international stage, but I think he could be an interesting player for Berhalter to bring back into his group. And Paxton Palmicle is the other one. I just mentioned it. He had a lovely outside of the left foot through ball to release Jesus Ferreira down the right side in this game. He's got skill. He has some creative ability, and the U.S. desperately needs some creative ability from their eights. And I think Pomacle would fit really well in that spot. So there's my little Dallas yeah, taking like, over the U.S. men's national team pitch to close this out, Jordan.
1: <laughs> well, they're taking over international transfers, too. So you might as well just, like, um, throw them in there as well. Uh, and for Pomicle, I he was that player, right, for the U.S. before his injuries. So yeah. it's it's hard to see a player go down, and but also promising to know that he's coming back and gaining confidence and momentum and, um, you know, trying to at least knock on the door.
0: I was hoping, and I pitched this show as a distraction from the U.S. Men's National Team, and I brought us back there. That's on me. But Jordan, I do think that is in a pretty solid spot to end. Thank you yeah. so much for joining me, for talking Vancouver Austin, for asking questions about RSL Dallas. I really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Thanks, Joe.
0: Listeners, thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back again soon, and I'll be in a less echoey spot. Thanks again. You guys rock.